Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Well, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Lot. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in different places. I can't remember where. <laughs> uh, let's uh, intro who else we have joining us. We have Kama. Hi, this is Kama. And unlike Lot, I know where I am. You can find me at Oxford's Place on Twitter. And we have Devin. Hey, this is Devin, GD Harpo on Twitter. And Tina. Hi, I'm Tina. I'm Cutie Pillar on Tumblr. Great. Hi, guys. Welcome. I am the Lady of Tarth on Twitter. I found it. <laughs> um, we are reading A Game of Thrones, Eddard One. Um, for all of you who may not know this podcast all that well, we spoil everything. So you have been warned. And uh, just a heads up, there may be rape discussion within this episode. So just uh, a warning there. Um, so this uh, this um, chapter begins with King Robert's procession arriving at Winterfell, and named amongst them are Jamie Lannister, Sander Clegane, Tyrion, and the tall boy Crown Prince. Ned doesn't recognize Robert at first. He's gained quite a bit of weight since he's last seen him, and that was about nine years ago after squashing the Balon uh, Rebellion in the Iron Islands. And... Uh, Ned greets Cersei, kissing her hand. Robert embraces Catelyn like a sister. And then Robert tells Ned he wishes to pay his respects. Cersei protests, but is quieted by a look that Robert gives her. Did anyone else envision Melania Trump? (laughs) Sorry. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, but now I do. Thanks. Yeah, actually, there's another Trump moment in here for him, too. Kyle might not like this, but... Um, okay, uh, so as they descend, Robert tells Ned he has not really enjoyed the journey north. The inns all suck, and there is no snow. He tell, uh, There is snow. Sorry, he, he doesn't like that either. He tells Ned he has to come south to eat ripe fruit and enjoy the women. Everyone is rich, fat, and drunk. He um, actually pervs out quite a bit here, and it's a a lot of locker room talk, talking about the women of the South. So that's it. That's the second Trump-like moment for Robert Baratheon. Um, He's very 16-year-old boy here, isn't he? He's regressed, I think, in Ned's company. I think he's, yeah. I I don't know that Robert, I don't know that we can ever call him a tower of maturity, but I mean, it's just very like, oh my God, the women run around naked. It's so cool. But it's not even just that, but he like goes into great detail to talk about how the clothes stick to them. And like, like, it's just, he's really been paying a lot of attention and yeah. And it's, it shows how much he doesn't know Ned anymore. That this is, Ned doesn't want to talk about this at all. Right. Um, it just shows how different they they both become as they've gotten older. Yeah. I see. So um, the crypts are cold 
and they echo with their footsteps and there's rows and rows of tombs and stone statues and then I just selected a bit of a passage. By ancient custom an iron longswood had been laid across sorry uh, uh, I'll start over. By ancient custom an iron longsword had been laid across the lap of each who had been lord of Winterfell to keep the vengeful spirits in their crypts. The oldest had long ago rusted away to nothing, leaving only a few red stains where the metal had rusted to stone. Ned wondered if that meant that ghosts were free to roam the castle now. He hoped not. The first lords of Winterfell had been men hard as the land they ruled. In the centuries before the dragon lords came over the sea, they had sworn allegiance to no man, styling themselves the kings in the north. Ned stopped at last and lifted the oil lantern. The crypt continued on into darkness ahead of them, but beyond this point the tombs were empty and unsealed, black holes waiting for their dead, waiting for him and his children. Ned did not like to think of that. Oh, so good. I, you know, I remember the part about the swords, like that the swords were there to keep the dead in their graves. But I kind of, I totally forgot that the swords were not even there anymore. Some of them. I don't know. Well, some of them, which totally ruins my theory about, well, them coming sort of back to life during battles or whatever. But that, no, I think, I think there's something to that. Like it's a custom, you know, that they've done. And as time goes on, it's just, oh, superstition. But obviously they knew that these they can come back if the long night returns right or oh maybe it's like one of those precautionary things that kind of just yeah turn into a fable uh so let's see um as they descend robert oh wait no i already read that um, Robert tells Ned that she was more beautiful than that as they stop to look at Liana's statue. Um, he says, she should be buried on a hill under a fruit tree with sun and clouds and rain to wash her face clean. She was a Stark. This was her place, says Ned. And then Ned thinks of Liana as she lay dying in a room smelling of blood and roses, feverish and afraid. Fear that left her eyes as Ned made his promise to her. And then Ned tells Robert that he brings her flowers when he can. And uh, Robert says, I vowed to kill Rhaegar for what he did to her. And then Ned replies, you did? He says, only once. In his dreams, Robert tells Ned he kills him every night. A thousand deaths would never be enough. Ned tells him they should go. Your wife will be waiting. And he replies, others take my wife. (laughs) What I love about these this like these early chapters is it's so they're very short, they're very succinct, but they really do a great job of kind of like establishing these characters and already how they kind of feel about each other. Like there's no time wasted, you know. You don't have to puzzle this out. Well, they're very lean, but they still have like what it's like. There's a quote from uh, uh, Catherine Hepburn, uh, Spencer Tracy. Uh, movie not much meat on her but what there is is choice i love that (laughs) there's actually there's a little bit of dialogue but it's essentially those are how they feel to me they're very there's great economy 
in the words. Like you get what he's trying to tell you, but it's not, they're not bloated. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. That's perfect. That's going in the description or should. (laughs) I will add that in. (laughs) So let's see. They talk of John Aaron and his sudden illness and death. Um, Liza had not taken his death. Well, Um, she'd gone back to the Erie with her son against Robert's wishes he had wanted him to be fostered by Tywin at the Rock. And I'm kind of with Ned on this one, that this is such a stupendously bad idea. Like, <laughs> well, I kind of forgot that Robert wanted this. Do you think it's that Robert wanted it or that Cersei wanted it? Cersei wanted Cersei it. Cersei wanted it. You're right. And that wasn't even... Because we find out later on that I think... The John Aaron's plan, I think the plan was to have Stannis foster him and Cersei interfered because, of course, once they have Robin, I mean, he's their hostage and she's got control. Hmm. I'm not making that up, right? I mean, I don't trust my memory these days, but I could swear. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right, too. Let's see. Uh, Ned tells Robert he... Um, he would be willing to take boy and mother, but Robert tells Ned that that would be an insult to Tywin. And Ned replies, I have more concern for my nephew's welfare than Lannister pride. And Robert kind of glibly responds, that is because you do not sleep with a Lannister. So yeah, probably Cersei's idea. <laughs> uh, see, they talk some more of Robert Aaron. Robert tells Ned he'll inherit the Eyrie and that is all. Oh, sorry, he'll inherit the Eyrie and all its income, but no more. Um, he needs a war leader as Warden of the East. Ned tells Robert he should leave the title. Surely he owes that to John Aaron for his service. Um, Robert is visibly not pleased with Ned's response, but continues on, saying, I want you at my side again. He's wary of the tediousness of the throne, the flatterers and fools and the lies. He says, there are nights I wish I lost at the Trident. Not truly, but... And that just tells him he understands. And then he says, Lord Eddard Stark, I would name you Hand of the King. You all know in Ned's head, he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want this. (laughs) Yeah, he knows where this is going. He knew where this was going long before he arrived, right? Why else? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because why else? Yeah, exactly. No other need to come to the north unless tax him the hand. Yeah. And like yes, said, he really just, this was, I mean, it's literally ran. It was a responsibility he does not want. Um, Robert tells Ned he helped him win the throne now and he needs him to help. He needs Ned to help him hold it. He also tells Ned of Liana and how if she had lived, they would have been brothers their houses can yet join uh, with Joffrey and Sansa. And this is an offer that surprises Ned. He kind of wasn't expecting this. And he tells Robert that he needs time to consider consider this. Robert is all, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, but uh, don't take too long. <laughs> and then I just got one more little section that I selected. Very short. For a moment, Eddard Stark was filled with a terrible sense of foreboding. This was his place, here in the north. He looked at the stone figures all around them, breathed deep in the chill silence of the crypt. He could feel the eyes of the dead. They were all listening, he knew. 
and winter was coming. Oh, man. It's a very so good. bleak and foreboding chapter, you know. Should have known. We should have known. <laughs> I, I just want to say I love the description of Cersei's wheelhouse. I had, I forgot it's so damn big. I mean, he describes it as being two stories. Two stories. It's a double decker. I, I was just sort of like, whoa. I picture uh, like Cinderella's pumpkin type thing. Like I. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I just I can't even imagine how you would. I mean, it, it sounds like somebody came up with, oh, this is a great idea, but it just it sounds like hell. I wonder how many horses they need to pull it. I think I said forty. Forty, yeah. Oh, wow, four zero. I'm pretty sure I remember that. It's crazy. What was uh, neat, though, like the descriptions in the beginning of the chapter, you kind of got a, it was such like your typical fable fairy tale, like the descriptions of the clothing, uh, golden, silver, furs, you know, <laughs> life's She's good got- at this point. <laughs> well, and the jeweled tiaras and the, you know, uh, yeah, it's all very, very posh. Yeah. And like I said to you, like the, just the descriptions in this chapter, like you really get a sense of and feel for the North. You get information on the wall, um, a little bit of the history of their families. Um, I think Robert and Ned's bond was really well established in this chapter, as was Robert's disdain for his wife. Like so much packed. And it was like, what a joy to read. I really like this. I'm liking these early chapters a lot. I feel like you really get to see the difference between, like, Ned and Robert at the beginning. Because, you know, Robert's talking about all, like, the scantily clad women. And, like, Ned is clearly not into it. Don't you think he would have known Ned and been like, yeah, Ned's totally going to want to listen to this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ned was not into it. Not at all. He's a grown man. And Robert spent his life avoiding grown man things. (laughs) I think that's a good point. It's not even just that Robert's stuck. It's just that's an intentional choice on his part. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to grow up. He wants to be Peter Pan for, well, adolescent Peter Pan. Yep. That's why he needs Ned's hand, because he doesn't want to deal with anything. Yeah, Robert says it straight up. I want to, like, whore and drink, and you run, you run everything. And I really don't care that it's going to take you away from your family for conceivably years. And <laughs> it's a great friend there. Yeah, right. Like, if you're like as honorable and duty bound as somebody like Ned Stark, like listening to this, I wish well, there was. Some- it's, it's not even like it's an opportunity. It's not even like, look, this is going to set you and your family up. I, you know, I think it's a great, it's a win-win situation. It's, I hate governing. It's sucky as hell. You know, I hate my wife and her family, which is essentially what he's saying. I want to go play. Here, you come with me. <laughs> you know? It's like, thanks, buddy. Thanks. You're what a pal. Yeah, now I am going to see him as Donald Trump. Oh, God. Oh, it's just two choice moments that I picked out. I'm going to have to start doing a count now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
Okay, well, um, anybody have any parting shots for this chapter before we move on? Hi. Was it uh, was it this chapter that they described how tall Joffrey was? Um, I they kind of said the tall crown prince, but I think it's more so in Arya's chapter. That oh, okay. Because I listened more. to them back to back, so I like couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, Arya's the one where we can really delve into. Uh, okay. Joffrey and I have some choice things to say about that, so I'm going to pin it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the mail then, uh, comma, if you would please. Sure. Um, so we had a specific question for this chapter from the subreddit uh, from someone uh, from Wallflower, who writes on a first time reading of the books. Oh God, how long did it take you to suspect R plus L equals J? I don't remember exactly when. I picked up on the clues a lot longer than it should have probably. But as I reread this chapter, I started noticing things a lot sooner than I did the first time around. Um, I think I was already too far gone. Like R plus R plus L equals J was like out there in the world. I, I kind of whizzed through the books really quick. So I not a good, uh, not a good case subject for this. Anybody else? kind of pick up on it on your own or you were you too just spoiled by the internet i know that i personally just i never pick up on things the first time <laughs> i'm always the person who's like oh wow you guys had all these great ideas it's the second time i read things that i'm really like oh look at these little notes i never pick up things the first yeah, time yeah it wasn't until like ned what nine the dream is it nine or ten Whichever one that is, um, where it's kind of hard to miss it, I guess, if you're looking for it. And I was looking for it. Like, I hadn't been spoiled because I read the first one in 07, 6 or 7, one or the other. Wow. After after the sixth Harry Potter book, because somebody told me, oh, if you like Harry Potter, why are you waiting on the next one? Read this. <laughs> and and they had, and they told me um, what did they, I can't remember how they worded it, but it was something about John's mom to like just be looking for stuff about that. So like I was looking for stuff for it, but it didn't really like it kind of clicked when I got to Ned nine and I figured it out that oh yeah it makes sense that Ned's sister would be John's mom or whatever. Hmm. But I think on my own, like had I not been thinking about it, I don't think I would have called it. I don't know. I, I think I'd take that win if I was you, Devin. <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> I think I, I'm trying to remember because I it wasn't really in the show at all. So and I had seen the first couple seasons before I read the books, but I don't recall it being um a thing. So I don't think I was influenced by that. But I remember at some point, maybe not right now, but a couple more chapters in, I started to wonder um, simply because it was just sort of like John is a very tropey character and it would be really, it seems like it would, it just seems like it would be really obvious that he would have to be, um, um, (laughs) you know, somebody's, he couldn't just be the, the son of Ned and some random maid. So I think I had clocked that, hmm. uh, but not not this soon. Yeah, this is early. All right, what else we got? 
Um, we have a tumbler on. Oh, I did want to say, what was the business about her clutching roses, Liana? Oh, I think it was this. It was smelled of blood and roses. There's something about her like roses. Ro- yeah, she oh, like, like let hand. go of them right when she died. Her oh, and like, I'm like, okay. Opened. Because that seems like if if she was dying from, I don't know, let's say childbirth or whatever, it seems, granted, I don't have children, but it seems a bit odd that you'd be having flowers in your hands. Maybe it was the wreath she got, like the beauty, uh, was it she crowned? Oh, like a dried flower kind of deal? Yeah. Oh, maybe. And they did talk about the the flowers are now black or so they were like old and... I questioned that when I read it earlier that they were black, but that kind of makes sense when you're saying the wreath. Maybe it was the last thing that Rhaegar, like, gave her before he left was some of her favorite flowers. Yeah. Oh, that okay. Makes sense. That's totally okay. what it was. Yeah, because oh thinking so about smart. it, <laughs> yeah. Because why would, like, why would, like, one of the handmaids or whatever, like, give her flowers right after that? that yeah, that'd be weird. Dead that flowers. Right? Yeah, dead flowers. <laughs> that she's dying. Yeah. She's dying from childbirth. So I know you appreciate symbolism, Liana. Here's a dead bouquet of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be a pretty shitty handmaid. <laughs> oh, God. <coughs> Excuse me. Um... <laughs> Um, and then we had a Tumblr Anon. Okay, so we are recording these ahead. So when um, you say the last podcast, it's going back a while now. Uh, Tumblr Anon writes, in the last podcast, you discussed dreams that process past events versus dreams that seem prophetic. The final fever dreams from Brienne's last chapter take place in the cave that is possibly situated among werewood roots. It was noted that she saw roots over her head when she woke. Are there elements of her dreams that might be prophetic or werewood influenced? I have I, no idea. Yeah, I have no freaking clue, but I really like the idea. <laughs> so I'm going to say yes. Yes, you are right, Tumblr and on. Because <laughs> I don't know. Those dreams that in that chapter were so... I, there's a, I feel like there's a lot of weight to them. So... I'm going to go with yes. I have nothing to base that on. Okay, that is our mail. <laughs> it's official. Okay. Unless, um, I, sorry, did maybe Tina or Devin have any thoughts on that? or? No, I don't. Any Nothing specific. Okay. Yeah, I'll add anything. All right, case closed then. Okay. We do love getting your letters um, and your messages and everything. You can do that at close the door and at gmail.com. Um, to, oh, yes, please be aware too, as Kama mentioned, we are recording some of these episodes far in advance. So if you haven't heard a response to something, be patient. We will get there, I promise. Um, you can also reach us at close the door and uh, come here.tumblr.com. You can reach us on Twitter at Door Podcast. Support us on Patreon, please. Um, your contribution goes a long way to helping us generate these podcasts. Um, like, review, subscribe, wherever you may listen. And that's going to be it. Thank you, everybody, for podcasting. Closing the door. Get out. <laughs>